Listen up, everybody. On Tuesday, March 19th, 4.15 Eastern Time, that's 1.15 here local in LA, I'll be hosting a webinar to discuss Cambria's two new ETFs, the Cambria Tactical Yield ETF, ticker TYLD, and the Cambria Micro and Small Cap Shareholder Yield ETF, ticker MYLD. Head over to Cambria's Twitter and LinkedIn pages to find the registration link. Once again, that's March 19th at 4.15 Eastern Time. Look forward to seeing you. Carefully consider the fund's investment objectives, risk factors, charges, and expenses before investing. This and other information can be found by visiting our website at www.cambryfunds.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing or sending money. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of capital. The Cambry ETFs are distributed by Alps Distributors, Inc., member FINRA, FINRA. Welcome, podcast listeners. We have a fantastic episode for you today. Last year, when we published The Best Investment Writing, Volume 2, we offered authors the opportunity to record an audio version of their chapter to be released as a segment of the podcast, and listeners loved it. This year, we're bringing you the entire volume of The Best Investment Writing, Volume 3, in podcast format. You'll hear from some of the most respected money managers and investment researchers all over the world. Enough from me. Let's get to our guests and let them take over this special episode. Hi, my name is Wes Gray, and I am the CEO of Alpha Architect, which is an asset management firm with an impact mission to empower investors through education. And without further ado, I'm going to discuss an article we wrote called Academic Factor Portfolios Are Extremely Painful Unless You Are an Alien. Imagine you are an alien and you land on planet Earth in 1927, which is when our data set starts here and you're given a mission. You're told that you need to solve this simple problem. These humans need to make money and grow their wealth. And you are told that you need to compound a million dollars. And the goal is to compound your extraterrestrial face-off. And you're presented with a few options. You first head over to Ken French's website because apparently you invented the internet back in the 20s and you can do that and you, you know, reincarnated Ken French and made him come alive in 1927 too. But, you know, fantasy land aside, you have this data. And you're like, wow, let's look at this Thoma French value concept where you just buy the top 10% cheapest on book to market and then rebalance it and market cap weight it. And then eh, let's check out this momentum thing they got on their website where apparently you just buy the top 10% highest momentum stocks or the highest relative strength securities, rebalance it every month and market cap weight that. And then there's this thing called the S&P 500 where you just own basically the biggest 500 stocks and market cap weight that. And then there's this other thing called bonds where you look at, eh, let's get the 10 year treasury bond in. You do some analysis, but the alien has you know some special power. And the special power is the ability to see the future with perfect foresight. So that's obviously a great capability if you're going to try to compound a million dollars and compound it at the highest rate possible over the next hundred some odd years. This situation, this alien, this alien is going to do a little factor investing analysis. And so the alien is going to decide to look into the future and identify 
identify the results, uh, which obviously be gross of costs and fees because you don't know what those are. Uh, and you're gonna look at this period from 1927 to 2017, and you're gonna pull up the charts. And what you're gonna see is the compound annual growth rates on the S&Ps, essentially 10% from 1927 all the way up until this analysis here to 2017, not bad. 10-year bonds around 5%. This whole value thing is interesting. It's around 12%. So you get about 2% kicker on the S&P 500. And this momentum thing is really crazy. It's almost 17%. So you get like a much bigger companion growth rate versus the uh, S&P 500. So the alien sits back and thinks, well, these value and momentum things definitely seem more interesting than the SP 500 and certainly more interesting than this 10-year bond thing if my goal here is to try to compound my wealth at the highest rates possible over long haul. And so, you know, the alien's going to look at the invested growth charts, type it into their supercomputer technology we don't even know about, and they're going to walk away and say, wow, geez, these value momentum things sure seem like pretty interesting options. Conclusion, let's do momentum. That's clearly the highest companion growth rate available out there. If we got to do a second option, we'll do this value thing. And of course, because he's an alien and he hasn't been thinking too hard, he doesn't even think about combining them. He's just focusing on one at a time. So he goes with momentum. The issue though is asset managers are not aliens, right? They're going to take a different look at the data than this alien that we drop onto the planet Earth who does some data analysis. So now imagine you're not an alien, but you're an asset manager. And you're also living on the Earth in 1927. And you have an incentive to compound wealth, but also to keep your job. And you are specifically endowed with an amazing power equivalent to the alien you have the ability to see the future with perfect foresight. Not a bad capability to have if you're an asset manager. And the asset manager is told to solve the same problem as the alien. Compound a million dollars as best you can. But the goal here is not necessarily to compound your face off. The goal in the back of the mind of the asset manager is to not get fired because you can't charge fees on zero AUM and have a lot of W-2 income, which would not be a good situation. So unfortunately, this asset manager lacks what is truly the most amazing power of all, and that's the ability to distract their own attention or her clients from focusing on short-term relative performance which means that this asset manager needs to kind of simultaneously solve two problems. They need to make their clients money for the long horizon wealth creation, but they also need to not lose their job along the way. So they do the similar analysis as the alien and look at Ken French's website. They look at value, they look at momentum, they look at SP 500, they look at the 10 year treasury bond. And the asset manager does her analysis, same research as the alien. The asset manager comes to very different conclusions though. And she says, wow, value and momentum are certainly the most interesting from a compounding perspective. However, she also recognizes that her investors are anchored on the S&P 500 
as a benchmark. And she knows if she underperforms for a five-year period, she will almost certainly be fired. By year five of any underperformance, there's going to be a hundred other competing asset managers out there lining up to tell her client that it's totally unacceptable to underperform by five years and that, that they have special powers to do much better and they can beat the, the S&P index. So the asset manager has her research analysis, do some additional analysis, not just on the absolute returns and hard stats like the alien, but also do some analysis on relative performance. And in particular, she looks at the rolling five-year relative compound annual growth rates of these various strategies, this generic value strategy, generic momentum strategy, and the bonds, all relative to the S&P 500. Pulls up the analysis, and unfortunately, it's not pretty. There are multiple five-year periods when value and this momentum strategy drag on the S&P 500 by large margins, which in effect guarantee her a pink slip. In fact, the generic value strategy outperforms S&P 500 over five-year periods only 65% of the time, which means there's about a 35% chance that if she goes with this generic value strategy, she loses her job. Momentum definitely looks a lot better over five-year stretches, winning about you know nine out of 10 times. So she's going to focus on the momentum approach and dig a bit deeper because you only have around a... 10% chance of losing your job, but like the alien, the, that upside is, is pretty compelling. What the asset manager does next is she wants to examine a hypothetical portfolio that's going to go ahead and invest a dollar in this generic you know, momentum portfolio and shorts the S&P 500. Because even though the momentum portfolio in general over any five-year rolling period tends to beat the S&P, there's certainly a chance of you know, getting fired along the way, but she also just wants to understand the dynamics of this relative performance over time. So she looks at the drawdowns of essentially being long this you know, generic momentum strategy and short the market to kind of map out how much pain and anguish from a relative performance standpoint she would have to endure over this approximately 100-year period from 1927 all the way up until essentially the present day. And wow, the results come back and they're not pretty. So while the five-year rolling hit rate is high in the sense that, you know, over any five-year period in general, momentum will have a winning record relative to just buying the generic market, there are certainly plenty of opportunities to get fired. Whereas Maybe you didn't have over the five-year period you won, but there's plenty of two- and three-year drawdown periods where just eyeballing the chart, she sees, I don't know, six or seven times where she's underperformed by anywhere from 30 to 50 percentage points on the S&P 500. Obviously, not a great thing to present to your clients if you plan on staying in the business. She does the analysis on value hoping that maybe it's less intense because it doesn't have as much upside. It's certainly got not a great hit rate over the five years. You know, there's about a 35% chance that it's not going to outperform, but she does the same analysis and looks at this portfolio that's long, this generic value strategy and short the market 
to get a sense for the dynamics of the relative performance, not only over five years, but over varying windows. Unfortunately, this is not looking good either. She identifies multiple periods where, again, being under the generic index by 30 to 50 percentage points is not rare. In fact, it happens fairly often. So the portfolio manager quickly refers back to the junior analyst who'd done all this results, just confirm the results. Like, what's going on here? This is not going to work. We need to stick to the SP 500 and not do any of these value or momentum things that we just generated off of Ken French's website because they are just simply too dangerous. Why does this matter? Well, what this stupid example and stupid thought experiment of identifying how an alien would assess the marketplace and the data with the goal of compounding their face off and an asset manager who also wants to compound their face off but not lose their clients is pretty interesting and it really highlights how career risk incentives play out in the asset management industry. And in the simple portrayal above, this alien is well equipped to make an investment decision with very limited baggage. Short-term relative performance isn't even really a consideration because it doesn't help the alien say, solve its problem where the alien wants to compound its extraterrestrial face-off and who cares what the S&P is doing because it's clearly subpar to achieve that goal. However, for the non-alien, this relative performance might matter a lot. Like, would you do a job that you knew with perfect foresight would get you fired 35% of the time? I don't know, probably not. And, you know, how much does this matter? How is career risk premium priced in the marketplace? And can these so-called anomalies, uh, in particular, we're looking here at value and momentum factor strategies, could these be easily wiped away by machine learning algorithms, instant data access, and commission-free trading? Well, maybe not. You know, Cypher and Vishni didn't think so over 20 years ago when they wrote a paper about this, this incentive problem here between the alien and the asset manager. And I really don't see why this incentive misalignment has been vanquished in today's world. So perhaps the alien's biggest superpower here isn't the perfect foresight ability, but really the ability to invest in strategies that frankly no normal investor could reasonably deploy. And as has been pointed out on Twitter and, and many other things, it'd be I would be remiss if I did not point out that advisors who have a passion for client education can possibly help their clients capture this career risk premium. And the hope is, is if there's products out there that are meant to specifically exploit this career risk premium, and advisors could get their clients to be more alien-like in their ability to do things different and participate in sections of the marketplace where presumably they have an edge, it might actually help the advisor and their client achieve different you know, client outcomes that maybe couldn't be achieved by simply buying the S&P 500 and doing what everyone else does. So in short, Think like an alien, try to avoid thinking like everyone else. Uh, best of luck out there investing. And we look forward to hearing more from the listeners out there. You can always find out what we're up to at alphaarchitect.com. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you listening. <music>